الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد We are in the introduction to the science of علم العقيدة In our last lesson we spoke about the definition of aqidah and we defined it what we also did was we spoke about other names that aqidah has is that correct what was the last name that we were on in regards to aqidah what was the last one as-sunnah so we said as-sunnah is also a synonym of aqidah and that some of the scholars they call their books of aqidah kitab sunnah we also mentioned particular points regarding as-sunnah what it means linguistically and we also defined it what it means istilahan technically are we all on the same page are we all together i also mentioned that sunnah is different in different sciences of the religion sahih i did say that right so i said according to the scholars of usul al-fiqh Usul al-fiqh is a science that we will speak about. If you don't know what usul al-fiqh means now, no one's blaming you. Because we will be speaking about usul al-fiqh. And you will be knowing what usul al-fiqh is about. But all you need to know is that the, all you need to know now is that there is a science called usul al-fiqh in the religion. And when they define sunnah, they have a particular definition for sunnah. We spoke about that, right? And then we said there's another science called al-fiqh. And the scholars who deal with fiqh are called what? Fuqaha. What are they called? They are called al-fuqaha. So we, the first one are called al-usuliyuna. Those are the first one. The usuliyun. We said what they defined sunnah as. We spoke about that, right? Does anyone remember what it is that I said that Usuliyin's definition of sunnah was? Huh? So they said it's the source in which your religion is taken from. It's the source. The source in which the religion is taken from. What are the sources that we take our religion from? Quran, Sunnah, Ijma' and Qiyas which is Sahih that you don't have to know now because you will study that in where? Usulul Fiqh this subject so you don't have to know it now then we said there are another scholars and they are called Al what are they called? 
They are called al-fuqaha. Fuqaha are what? They are jurists. If you don't know it, don't worry. We will study what fiqh means as well. Just like we study what aqidah is now, we'll also be speaking about what fiqh means as well. Okay? But according to them, they have a definition for the word sunnah, correct? They have a particular definition for sunnah. What was their definition for sunnah? The opposite of what? Wajib. The fuqaha, for them, sunnah is the opposite of what? So it's the opposite of? Of? According to them, when they use the word sunnah, they mean the opposite of wajib. Meaning, it's whatever you can do voluntarily. You get rewarded for doing it, but if you leave it, you're not punished. Then we spoke about a third type of scholars. Who were they? Al-Muhadithun. Al-Muhadithun. Al-Muhadithun are who? Scholars of hadith. Okay, they have a definition for the word sunnah as well. Their definition of sunnah is anything that's attributed to the Prophet even after, he, even before he became a Prophet. So, قبل al-bi'tha, before he became a Prophet, for them that's still a sunnah. The way he walked is a sunnah. His natural behavior, behavior is a sunnah to them. So, everything about the Messenger is a sunnah according to the muhaddithun. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? So for them it's what? In simple terms, it's what? Everything about the Prophet. His speech, his actions, his belief, the way he carried himself, his manners, the way Allah created him. For them it's a sunnah. Are we all together, brothers? The food that he loved to eat. For the muhaddithun, this is a sunnah. Of course, the sunnah is two types for them as well. It's sunnatul ibadah and sunnatul adah, but still a sunnah. Are we all together? Then we spoke about ulama al-aqidah. We spoke about what? Ulama al-aqidah. What are the ulama al-aqidah? The scholars that deal with what? They deal with? They deal with aqidah. What's their definition of the word sunnah? When they use sunnah, what is it they mean? They mean the path of the saved sect. They mean sunnah is the path of the saved sect. Remember the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, that my ummah is going to be divided in, into how many? How many? And then what, what did the Prophet say after that? All of them are in the hellfire except what? That saved group, that say one group is going to be saved. All the other seven two in the hellfire. But only one group is going to be saved. صح? That one saved group, according to the ulama al-aqidah, they mean sunnah, the path of those saved sect. Does that make sense? Is that crystal clear? So, I want to do waqafat and a tanbihat. 
I want to stand over the term as-sunnah a bit longer. This was the first stop. That's all of this is in the point number one. The differences of the word sunnah according to the different scholars of different sciences. This is the first point. Point number two. First of all, before I move on to point number two, does everyone understand this? Is this crystal clear? Does anyone have any questions regarding this before I move on? Yeah? Before I choose on to move before I choose to move on, does anyone have any questions? I guess this is crystal clear. Let's move on to the second point, inshaAllah ta'ala. Regarding a sunnah. Can I wrap this off? Has everybody written it? Okay. The second point that I want to is all in your notes, inshaAllah ta'ala. If you look at your notes, you'll see it. Point number two, regarding a sunnah, which is This is all going to be, so I'm saying, 10b al-thani. What does 10b al-thani mean? The second point, okay? That one was 10b al-awwal, the first point. Okay? What was the first point? The differences of the word sunnah in the different sciences. Okay? Now we're going to move on to the second point regarding al-sunnah. Which is what? As-sunnah is a what? Hiya mazdar min masadir al-aqidah The sunnah As-sunnah Hiya mazdar The sunnah is a source from the sources of Aqidah. Aqidah, how many places is it taken from? Al-Kitabu? Where is it taken from? Al-Kitabu? And Sunnah. Okay. The, uh, and it's also taken from Ijma'ah. Are we all together? The Sunnah is two types. The sunnah is what? It's two types. Al-Mutawatir and Al-Ahad. The Mutawatir means the sunnah that has reached us in multitude narration. It's large in number. The people who heard it from the Prophet are large in number. Are we all together? Ten and plus. I've heard it from the Prophet. This particular hadith, this sunnah. Ten and more heard it. Are we together? And ahad is ten or less. Okay? We don't want to go into the fine details of where is mutawatir drawn from ahad. But there's a point I want to get to. Let me say this one more time. Sunnah is a source from the sources of the correct aqidah. In other words, where do we take our aqidah from? We take it from the kitab and the sunnah. So we take it from the sunnah. Are we all together? The sunnah is two types. It's multitude, mutawatir, large in number. And ahad means few in number. 
It's not large, it's few. Aqidah is taken from both. Whether the, the narration that came to us, the hadith that came to us, whether it's mutawatir or whether it's ahad, it does not matter according to Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah. They take it from the Prophet as long as it's authentic. Is that point clear? Let me repeat it again. The Sunnah is a source for us. When we want to say we believe this, what's your evidence? قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet said. That's what we say, correct? It doesn't matter whether that Sunnah is mutawatir, large in number, or whether it's few in number. It doesn't matter. It's accepted. According to you, according to the belief of Ahl Sunnati, there are other groups who say, no, 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 we don't take ahad in aqidah. That's a corrupt belief. Are we together? According to Ahlul Sunnah, they will take a hadith, Quran they take, because the Quran is already mutawatir, it's multitude of Quran already. Like in the Sunnah, there's multitude and there's ahad. It doesn't matter where it is. It's accepted and it's seen as a source of evidence. Does that make sense? As long as, it read, as long as it fulfills the criteria of authenticity, as long as it's authentic, very accepted. Whether it's multitude or not, it doesn't matter. Has everyone understood that point? Is that point crystal clear? Does anyone have any questions regarding that point? Huh? Fadal. In aqidah or fiqh, it doesn't matter, we accept it. Uh, we don't want to go too much details into it. But there was a group that came in Islamic history who started to say, we take the Quran, we take the Sunnah, but we only take the Sunnah in aqidah when it's multitude narration. So they said, if it's a larger number, we'll take it. If the people who heard it from the Prophet are 10 and plus, we'll accept it. But if it's less than that, in Aqidah, we want certainty. 10 or less, they could do a mistake. We don't want to take it. So the scholars at that time, they didn't accept that. Why? Because the Prophet will send one companion to a whole nation. You all know the famous hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, where the Prophet wasallam he sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen. And what did the Prophet say? إِنَّكَ سَتَأْتِي قَوْمَ أَهْلَ كِتَابِ فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ شَهَادَةُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That you're going to come to a people of the scripture. Let the first thing that you call them to be what? إِلَا 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 اللَّهِ إِلَا مُعَادَةُ is what? By himself. He was one person. So the Prophet ﷺ never ever said that I will tell you this ruling but I want ten or more people to be in front of me first. If one person was in front of him, he would tell them the ruling. If 20 people were there, he would tell them the ruling. Because the principle was what? The one who hears it should go and convey it to the rest. Number was never an issue until later in Islamic history. Crystal clear? Is that understood? But those people who say that we don't take ahad in aqidah, they say that we take ahad in fiqh. 
Does that make sense? That's another whole discussion we don't want to go into right now. But is this point understood very well? So when we say that the Sunnah is our source, where we take our Aqidah from, we don't care how that Sunnah has reached us. Whether it reached us in multitude narration, or whether it reached us in few narration, or few in number, it doesn't matter. Whether one companion heard it from the Prophet, or 50 companions heard it, we will always take it. As long as it is authentic. Does that make sense? Number does not have any say in this issue. Does that make sense? Crystal clear? No, 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 no. Qiyas does not come in Aqidah. Aqidah, you don't use analogy. You don't use your brain. Aqidah is scriptural. Textual. Allah said, the Messenger said, there's no room for what? The using of the brain and moving of the brain, huh? None of that will work. Does that make sense? So no, Qiyas is not used in Aqidah. Are we all together here? Okay. Now we're going to move on to the next point that I want you to all understand. Which is a tanbih The third point I want to bring to your attention today is is the word as-sunnah fi kalami ahli salaf the word sunnah according to the three golden generation who are the three generation the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's generation are we all together and then the generation of what so the prophet sallallahu his companions that's one generation and then the second generation is what the tabi'in and then the Called Ahlul Salaf. According the Prophet and his companions is the first generation. The second one is the Tabi'in, and the third one is what? Tabi'u Tabi'in. So the Prophet and his companions, the students of the companions, and the students of the students of the companions. Does that make sense? These are the three noble generations. How? Because the Prophet said, the best of generation is my generation i.e. me and the companions and those who came after and those who came after and those are the three golden generation where disputes and arguments and division was very little harmony unity agreements was more after them came different ideologies and different groups 
So these are the ones we refer to when we say Ahlul Salaf. According to these three golden generation, the word As-Sunnah, it meant Ghalib, the majority of the times, it was meant by Aqeedah. The Salaf, the three noble generation, the overwhelming majority of the time when they used the word As-Sunnah, they meant belief, Aqeedah in the heart. Are we all together? So according to the three golden generation, when they use the word As-Sunnah, the overwhelming majority of the times they are referring to what? What are they referring to? They are referring to as an aqidah, your belief, the belief system that you have. Does that make sense, everybody? And then they're not referring to it as who? As the other subjects deal with it, like fuqaha or the usulin or the muhaddithun. No. The majority of the salaf, they're usage of the word as-sunnah it meant qadaya al-i'tiqad aqeedah based issues does that make sense? so if you're reading the kalam of Abu Ubaid Qasim ibn Salam or the kalam of Ahmad ibn Hanbal or Shafi'i or Imam al-Muzani or Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal or Ishaq ibn Rahuya or Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi or Ibn Abi Hatim or Abu Zul'ah these are the aim of salaf when they use the word Sunnah, the majority of the time they are referring to as what? Aqeedah. They're not referring to as voluntary acts. This is vital that you understand this. Does that make sense? That's point number three understood. We're now going to move on to the fourth point that I want you to understand, which is Another very important point, which is the fourth point that I want to bring to your attention regarding the word Sunnah. In the Sunnah, the word Sunnah, it's not only the path of the Messenger. The word Sunnah is not restricted only to the path of the Messenger. In that which he believed. No. فقط وإنما طريقة الصحابة also the way of the companions the path that the companions were on is also a sunnah I want you to pay attention to this one this is vital this is where many people and many groups will go separate ways this is what the scholars call مفرق الطرق you know what مفرق الطرق means? Mafraq al-Turuq is the path which has the roundabout, where everybody goes different directions. 
Hmm? The path that each group takes a different road is this. Which is what? Allah, He said on the Kitab. And then we said before, what is it? The Sunnah. Hayya. This is where the issue comes now. The Kitab and the Sunnah. Whose understanding lacking? Whose understanding are we going to use for the Kitab and the Sunnah? Your understanding? My understanding? Our understanding? No. It's going to be based upon the understanding of the companions. This is where, this is the golden word. It's called Bifahmi Salaf Salih. This is gold. If I had a red pen, I would have written it in red. Gold. Which is, when somebody says to you, Qala Allahu. Allah said, the Prophet said, say, Jazakallah khairan. But where, who understood it like that from the ayah? Who understood what you're saying from this ayah that you're reading? This hadith that you're reading, who understood this understanding from it? He has to tell you a companion or a tabi'i or a tabi'i tabi'i, the three noble generation that the Prophet said to us, Khairun nasi qarni, even if everyone's reading of the Quran and everyone's reading of the Sunnah was restricted to this, then would there be any disputes? And if the companions differed amongst themselves, then we should respect each other in the differences. If you have Ibn Abbas's call and I have Ibn Mas'ud's call, we respect each other. But there is amongst us someone who's right, but we respect you because you're holding on to a companion. Does that make sense? I want you to all understand this point. This is called Sunnah, all together. So it's not enough for somebody to say to you, Qala Allahu Ta'ala, it's not enough. And it's not enough for somebody to say to you, Qala Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's not enough. He has to back the ayah and the hadith that he brought with the understanding of the three noble generation, the companions, the students of the companions, and the students of the students of the companions. Does that make sense? That's vital. Bifahmi salaf al-salih. Why? What's the evidence for that? The evidence for that is when the messenger told us that the ummah are going to be divided into 73 groups. Look what he said. He said, فَتَفْتَرِقُ أُمَّتِي عَلَى ثَلَاثِ وَسَبْعِينَ فِرْقَةِ My ummah are going to be divided into 73 groups. Look what he said. كُلُّهَا فِي النَّارِ All of them are in the hellfire. إِلَّا وَاحِدَ Except one. And the companions were like, 72, imagine, 72 grooms, brothers. And only one. Sahabas were like, قَالَ مَنْ هِيَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Who was this group? Who? How? Did they make it out? The Prophet, he gave an answer. This answer is what's going to save you. What is it that he said? قَالَ مَنْ كَانَ عَلَى مِثْلِ مَا أَنَا عَلَيْهِ الْيَوْمَ وَأَصْحَابِهِ Anyone who is upon that which I... And my companions. Anyone who is upon that which I and my companions are upon is this one saved group. You can be from whatever country you want. You can be from whatever ethnicity you want. From whatever background that you want. You can be from whatever. You can look like whatever you want. If you come with 
بفهم سلف الصالح You are upon the way that the companions were Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali You're on their path Then you're from the safe sector You don't have to go to an office where you have to sign in You don't have to have an ID for it You don't have to get recognized by anybody It's enough the fact that your understanding That you have from the Quran and Sunnah Is on the understanding of what? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud And Abdullah ibn Abbas And the likes of these companions Does that make sense brothers? We pray Salah When we pray the Salah What do we recite in the Salah? Surah Al-Fatiha Do you have to read Surah Al-Fatiha? In Surah Al-Fatiha there's an ayah in there What is the ayah? We all say Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim Oh Allah guide us to the what? Then in that ayah we explain the straight path So we make it clearer Which path is it? Sirat al-ladina An'amt alim The path of those you have You have blessed Okay Who are those Allah blessed? Ask yourself that question Oh Allah guide us to the straight path The path of those you have You have blessed So who are those Allah blessed? In another ayah Allah tells us those who he has blessed Who are they? أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِعِينَ وَحَسُنَ أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا Allah says the ones we have blessed are who? أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ Prophets وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ and the truthful ones Who is the first one in this ummah who is known as Siddiq or Hadil Ummah? Who is it? Abu Bakr, right? When he died, some of the scholars they understood because Allah says, "Min al-Nabiyyin the Prophets." And what did he mention after the Prophets? Wasidiqin. Even some scholars they took from this that Abu Bakr was deserving of the Khilafah after the Prophet because he was mentioned straight after that. He's the first of the Siddiq of this Ummah. Even the question is, you're asking Allah when you pray the Salah, guide me to the path of the companions, but then when it comes to their belief, you believe something different to them is wrong. Or you're doing something different to them. Are you with me, brothers? So the path that we need to follow in everything that we understand is based on how the companions, how they understood it. Because Allah is pleased with them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. ولذلك, the golden statement is the statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. مَنْ كَانَ مُسْتَنًا فَلْيَسْتَنَّ بِمَنْ قَدْمَاتٍ فَإِنَّ الْحَيَّ لَا تُؤْمَنُ عَلِي الْفِتْنَةِ أُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابَ مُحَمَّدٍ أَبَرَّ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ قُلُوبًا وَأَعْمَقُهَا عِلْمًا وَأَقَلُّهَا تَكَلُّفًا اختارهم الله تعالى لصحبة نبيهم فعرفوا لهم حقهم واتبعوا على آثارهم فإنهم كانوا على هدى مستقيم. If you want to hold on to anybody, hold on to the companions. If you want to hold a path and you want to be saved, then the saved path is the path of the companions. A people who Allah chose them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah looked at the hearts of the people. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, Inna Allah nadara ila qulub ibadi. Allah looked at the hearts of his creation. And when he looked at the hearts of the creation, فَاخْتَارَ مُحَمَّدًا Allah chose Nabi Muhammad as a prophet. No one's heart was good enough to be a prophet. Except Nabi Muhammad. So Allah chose him as a prophet Because of purity and his honesty and his righteousness Then Allah looked at the remaining people's hearts And then he chose the companions to be the companions of the Prophet Because their hearts were pure We didn't make it We didn't qualify To be from the companions of the Prophet 
So fa'arafu lahum haqqahum. Recognize their value and their status. Wattaba'u ala atharim. And follow them in their path. Follow them what? In their path. Even any time a person says to you, qala Allahu, from today onwards, what are you going to say? Who understood it from the companions? Like this. Sahih? That's your golden question every time. Somebody brings you an ayah from the Quran or brings you a hadith from somewhere. Just say, who preceded you in this understanding? That's very important. The third type, the third thing that we want to, uh, uh, sorry, the fifth point that we want to bring regarding is, regarding the sunnah is tanbihul khamis. Tanbihul khamis. Anas-salamata. كل السلامة في اتباع safety all of safety it's in following the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Every person who's looking to be safe, if you're looking for safety, it's following the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Al-Imam Malik said something very powerful. He said a very powerful statement. Who? Al-Imam Malik ibn Anas. Al-Imam Malik said, Inna sunnata safina turuh Man rakibahu najah Imam Malik said, that the sunnah is like the ark of Nuh. That they, the ark of Nuh, anyone who was on it was only the one who was going to be saved. True or false? Sah? If you didn't go on the ark of Nuh, would you have made it that day? No. Malik ibn Anasin, in Imam Malik, Imam Dar-Hijrah, he said that the sunnah, the sunnah is what? It's like the ark of Nabiullah Nuh. Anyone who mounts on that ark, meaning who takes the sunnah, he's success. He's attained success. And he's achieved what was needed from him. Anyone who doesn't follow the sunnah, who doesn't take the path of the sunnah, automatically the second path that he's taken is what? shahawat. Let's say you're following your, your desires. Didn't Allah say in the Quran, Muhammad, if they don't obey you, if they don't obey you and they don't follow your path, then know that they are following their desires. It's either following the messenger or it's what? Or following your desires. There's no third path. So if you're not doing ittiba' al-sunnah to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you're not following the Prophet's sunnah, then the second path that's open for you that you're following is what? Don't, don't try to invent a third path. There isn't no third path. It's either sunnah to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or you're following your whims and your desires. Does that make sense? The sixth and B. The sixth point 
البدح أعظم من جنس المعاصي وديني جسي Sunnah is the way of the Prophet ﷺ. What's the opposite to it? Innovation. If you don't follow the Prophet's path, then you're falling into what? Innovation, right? You're creating a new path. So, question here is, what's worse? Sins or innovation? Jins al-bidah. Innovation is worse than what jins al-ma'asi sins for a person to commit a sin in the eyes of iblis shaitan for a person to go and do sins and a person to go and to do innovation iblis loves that you do innovation he likes that why huh the reason is because the one who's drinking khamar or the one who's fornicating he knows what he's doing is wrong if you go to him and you say what are you doing he'll say to you ask Allah's forgiveness for me what I'm doing inshallah and etc like in the one who's doing innovation what does he think he'll say you're confused I'm getting closer to Allah so the innovator believes what he's doing is getting closer to Allah. Whereas the one who's doing the sin knows what he's doing is wrong and he admits that it's wrong. Does that make sense? Also, the second way where the innovation is worse than the sins is because the one who's doing the sins is attributing this action to himself. It's like, it's my own desires. Whereas the innovator is saying, Allah legislated this for me. So he's lying about Allah. He's attributing to Allah that which Allah did not say. Allah did not give permission. And the scholars, they used to say, like Sufyan al-Thawriyu, he said, Rahimahullah, he said, Inna shaytan iblis, shaytan, what brings more joy to shaitan is innovation than a person committing sins. That is what brings joy to him. The seventh point that we want to know regarding the sunnah These are principles that I would advise you to stick it on your wall. Write it. Stick it on your wall. And go over it a lot. It's very important. At-Tambihu Sabih. The seventh one. Anna al-ibadat al-qalila 
مع اتباع خير من العبادة الكثيرة مع الابتداع Little ibadah that's done in accordance to the sunnah is better than what? It's better than a lot of ibadah that was done based on innovation. For somebody to do little ibadah but it's in accordance to the way of the Prophet and his companions it's better than to do a lot of ibadah that's based on innovation. That's very important. The issue isn't how much you do. What did Allah say in the Quran? Tabaraka alladhi biyadihi al-mulku wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir alladhi khalaqa al-mawta wal-hayata liyabluwakum ayyukum Did he say akhtarukum amala? Did Allah say akhtarukum amala? What did he say? Ahsanukum amala. What does ahsan mean? The one who has the best of actions. Allah did not say the one who has the most actions. Because it's not about how much you do. It's how good you do it. Are we all together? It's how good you do it. So every single action that you do, if you do it in accordance to the sunnah, it is better than doing it in innovation. This is a principle that one needs to memorize. Some people they will see a person All day he might be doing innovation And so they will say look He's doing a lot They look at the quantity And the large amount The Salaf they used to look at how In accordance to the Sunnah it was They never looked at how long a person spent If a person goes out in the sun And he says I'm standing here all day I want to get closer to Allah by doing this And he does it all day and he does that for a year, hey? Is that good? We'll say, who preceded you in this righteous action? Or this action that you think is right, righteous? Are we all together, brothers? The one who's in his house, under the air conditioner, is better. Why? Because that action is not in accordance to the sunnah. Even if it seems like that the person is putting himself through a what? A lot of hardship. Now we're going to go into a tanbih thamin. The eighth... The eighth one. And the husna niyah la yalzamu minhu husnul amal. This is another principle, which is just because you have good intentions, it doesn't make it good actions. Just because your intention is good and you're sincere about this, doesn't mean that it's a good action. Does everyone understand that? 
just because you were sincere when you were doing this doesn't mean it's a good action why? because every action that a person does it stands on two pillars every action that we do it stands on two pillars the first one is huh? ikhlas and the second one is which is to be in accordance to the word sunnah so if a person comes with an action and he only comes with ikhlas he's only come with one pillar the other pillar is missing what is missing? the other pillar is missing so this action is not yet accepted in the eyes of Allah until he what? Until he does it with sincerity and he does it in accordance to how the Prophet did it. I'll give you guys an example. If I come into the masjid right now and I say I'm going to pray Fajr four rak'ah. Four. Fajr is how much? Two. I'm going to pray how much? But I cry and I am sincere and I'm doing this for Allah's sake subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is it accepted? Huh? Is it accepted? Why? But I came with sincerity. Did I not come with sincerity? Huh? I have come with sincerity. But what's missing? Al-Ittiba'ah. I am not in accordance to who? Did the Prophet pray Fajr four rak'ah? Huh? Did the Prophet pray Fajr four rak'ah? He didn't, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then because he didn't pray it, we won't pray it. Because why? If there was ever a path that would get a person closer to Allah, would the Prophet and his companions not take that path? Are we all together? If there was khair in this you're doing, then the companions and the Prophet would have preceded us in it. They loved Jannah. They wanted the highest levels of Jannah. So they would have taken that path. Are we all together? So... Just because a person's intentions is good Does not equate straight away That this action is good Why? Pay attention to this What's this ikhlas? It's a It's an internal issue, right? And here is what? Then our religion is a component of those two. Our religion wants your internal and your external actions. Ikhlas is the internal action of your heart. And they have to be in line together. Are we all together? If somebody gave you a cup that was cold, cold water in there. Would you know if this water is cold by just touching it from the outer? If they gave it, you would, right? Would you not know? You would. You don't. You don't have to put your finger in it. Just by touching it from the outside, you would know what. You would know what. That it's either cold or it's warm or it's hot, right? Even every person who has good in him, it has to show on his limbs. Every vessel will sweat what's inside it. Sahih? 
So it will show on you. So this concept that my heart is good, if your actions are not good, then your heart isn't good. Because they are what? They are connected. They are what? They are connected. We're now going to move on to inshallah ta'ala. We finished the concept of sunnah. Are we all together? What did we finish? The concept of sunnah. We're now going to move on to the other names that are given to the term aqidah. All of that was sunnah, right? We took a long time with sunnah because of its importance. What are the other names that are given to sunnah? So we're going to go to number four, right? Yeah? Does everyone know why I said Rabi'ah number four? Yeah? Because I only mentioned three, term, three, right? Yeah? So number four is what? Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar. What is it? Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar. What does the word Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar mean? What does the word Al-Fiqh mean? Again, when we define something, what do we define it? Lughatan and what? We have to define it linguistically and what? And technically, that's how we are. Are we not that? Okay, what does fiqh mean in the language? Fiqh means in the Arabic language, al-fahmu. Al-fahmu. Comprehension. Fiqh means what? Are you with me, brothers? Allah said in the Quran, Ya Shu'aybu, ma nafqahu kathira mimma taqulu. Ma nafqahu, what do they mean here? Ay, ma nafhamu. Are we all together, brothers? Allah said in the ayah, when the people of Shu'ayb said to Nebulah Shu'ayb, what did they say? Ya Shu'aybu, oh Shu'aybu. Ma nafqahu, ma nafqahu, nafqahu is fiqh. Ma nafqahu, what do they mean? Ay, ma nafhamu. A lot of the things that you say, we don't understand it. So fiqh, in the Arabic language, it means understanding. Are we all together? Does that make sense? Like, is it every, is it, is it mutlaqul fahm? Is it just understanding? Or is it a type of understanding? That we don't want to go into now. It's too technical. So we'll leave that further introduction to fiqh, inshallah ta'ala. But what does it mean, istilahan? Technically, what is the word? What does it mean? Istilahan here, I don't mean istilahul mutakhirin, because I'm not going to go into that. Istilahul mutakhirin means the definition of the late generation. The latter scholars, they have a different definition from it, which is they consider it ilmun, a science, yubhatu fi adillatul ijmaliya. وَكَيْفِيَةُ الْإِسْتِفَادَةِ مِنْهَا وَحَالُ الْمُسْتَفِيدِ oh. Now that's usul al-fiqh. They consider it al-ilmu bil-ahkam al-shari'yati al-mustambata min adillatiha al-tafsiliyah. Al-muqtasar min adillatiha al-tafsiliyah. That's the definition of the latter scholars. We don't want to go to that. We want to look at the definition according to the Quran and the Sunnah. The Quran and the Sunnah 
the way that they define the word thiq is ma'arifatu is to know ma'arifatu to know the religion of Allah is to know the religion of Allah comprehension of the religion of Allah is to have understanding of the religion that's what the sharia uses as the word fiqh ولذلك when you come across the hadith من يريد الله به خيرا يفقه في الدين anyone who Allah wants good for them he gives them what? fiqh in the religion does it mean he becomes only a faqih and he doesn't know aqidah is that what it means? what does it mean? he has, hand, he has an understanding of the he has an understanding of the entire religion all of the religion the deen here it means al-usul and it means usul here means al-aqidah al-furu' here means what? it means he understands all of it am I making sense or am I just talking to myself? Yeah, why, does, why, does, why do I feel like I'm talking to myself? Yeah? Are we all together? Are we all on the same page? Fiqh means understanding the entire religion. Whether that is aqidah issues, or whether it's fiqh issues, it doesn't matter. It's just as law is understanding the religion. Yeah? Allah said in the ayah in the Quran, what did he say? لَيْسَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لِيَنْفِرُ كَافَ فَلَوْ لَا نَفَرَ مِنْ كُلِّ فِرْقَةِ مِنْهُمْ طَائِفَةٌ لِيَتَفَقَّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَلِيُنْذِرُ قَوْمَهُمْ إِذَا رَجَعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ لَعَلَّمْ يَحْضَرُونَ So the word fiqh in the Arabic language it means al-fahmu to understand. In the sharia it means understanding the religion. So don't just think it means to understand only furu'ul masail, fiqh issues. No, it means the whole religion. Does that make sense? Okay. That's why the scholars they use the word al-akbar because the fiqh is what? Akbar fiqh and what? What's asghar? Yeah? What's asghar? The fiqh that we know is the, the one we start tahara, salah, zakat, salam, hajj. That's fiqh which is asghar. Like in here, fiqh al akbar, what do they mean? Aqeedah. Even aqeedah is fiqh and fiqh is what? Fiqh according to the sharia. Like in the latter scholars, they came and they said, no, this is called aqeed and this is called what? It's called what? It's called fiqh. Am I making sense? No? Am I? The reason why the word al-akbar here was added is so you don't confuse it with what? Fiqhul? What's fiqhul asghar? The one that you tahara, salah, zakah, saum, hajj, then buyu', nikah, the fiqh that we know, that's fiqh asghar. What's fiqh al-akbar lakin? Huh? Al-aqeedah. Are we all together? That's why it was given that name by those scholars. And the scholar that gave it that name or his book is known to have that name is Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullahu ta'ala. He has a kitab called Fiqhul Akbar. We're now going to go into Khamisan. The fifth one. Khamisan, the fifth one, inshallah ta'ala, which is Al-Shari'ah. 
Sharia. The fifth one is what? Sharia. Sharia is also a synonym of Aqidah. It's the fifth name that scholars use for what? Aqidah. They use the word Sharia. What does the word Sharia mean? Logatan. What does it mean in the language? The word Sharia in the Logah is Al-Nahju Al-Tariq. Al-Nahju Al-Tariq means what? The road and the path. The way. So Sharia in the Arabic language, in the Logah, in the Arab, they used to use it as path, a road. Sharia is path, it's road. As Allah said in the Quran, لِكُلِّمْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً وَمِنْهَاجَةً أي طريقة. The word Shira. Sharia means what? In the Arabic language, what does it mean? Al-Nahju al-Tariq, a path. But what does it mean? Istilahan. Technically, what does it mean? So what's the second one is what? Istilahan. What does it mean? There's three meanings for it. Istilahan, Sharia. In the technical definition of the word Sharia, it's three. The first one is the entire religion. The what? Ad-Dinu Kullu. The whole entire religion. It doesn't matter what it is. Furu'uhu, wa usuluhu, zahiruhu, wa It doesn't matter. Ad-Dinu Kullu. The whole religion is called Sharia. That's one usage. The second one is Qabaya al-Atiqad. It's used as aqidah-related issues only. That's the one we're talking about today. That's the second usage, which is the one we're talking about right now, today. And the second one is fiqh al-furu'h. Well, if you read the kitab written by Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah, you see a lot of the times he says in al-Islam that the religion is what? Aqidatan wa shari'atan. Imam al-Shatibi, Abshaq al-Shatibi, a lot of the times when you read when you read his works like Al-Muwafaqat or Kitab Al-Atisam or if you read Ibn Al-Qayyim's Kitab Al-Alam Al-Muwaqi'in or you realize they use the word that the religion is what? Aqidah al-Shari'ah What do they mean Shari'ah? They mean Fiqh al-Furu'ah Okay? Fiqh al-Furu'ah, what does that mean? It's the Fiqh that you guys know The one that you guys call Fiqh Tahara, Salah, Zakat, Salam That's called Furu'ah Furu'ah means what? Sub-branches Am I making sense? So the word Sharia is sometimes seen as the whole religion. Sometimes it's only used as Aqidah. And sometimes it's actually only used for Fiqh. Does that make sense? The scholar that did, who used this word, Sharia, is Al-Imam Al-Ajurriyu. Al-Imam Al-Imam Al-Ajurri Rahimahullah There's a kitab called Kitabu Al-Shari'ah Written by who? Al- Al-Imam Al-Ajurri Rahimahullah Ta'ala Al-Imam Al-Ajurri has a kitab called Kitabu Al-Shari'ah and it's Aqidah only what is it? It's a aqidah related. It's a aqidah related 
book. And alhamdulillah, I was very worried that I might not be able to finish the class in time. But we've done the amount that was needed for today. So in total, we have taken five names that are synonym of what? Aqeedah. So what, are, what was the first one? Tawheed. Remember, I want you to always remember this. It's impossible. It's what? Impossible for two words to be direct synonyms to one another. Okay? There isn't. Even in English language, there isn't. Okay? Two words cannot be exactly the same meaning. They're close in meaning. So when we say they are synonyms, we know, we should all understand that I mean is close in meaning. The first one is a tawheed. The second one is what? The second one I mentioned was usuluddin. The third one was what? A sunnah, right? Fourth one we mentioned today was what? Yeah? Fiqh al-Akbar. And the fifth was what? Al-Shari'ah. Are these, are these only? No. There are more, but these are the most important ones. Okay? Are we all together? Does anyone, does anyone have any question? So if the companions, they do something that goes against that which the Prophet ﷺ did, the Prophet ﷺ without a doubt takes precedence over that which any companion does. If a companion it did not reach him what the Prophet did in this particular issue, it didn't reach him, and he did something. What we have to understand is if any other companion saw him do that, they will never be quiet. They will correct him. So you would find an opposition from what? From other companions that are opposing him. But we don't give precedence to anyone over the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam. So are there differences in fiqh al-akbar? No. In aqeedah there's no differences. Ahl-sunnah wal-jama'ah ala watiratin wahida. They are on one level. There are differences in normal fiqh issues, like in there are no differences in fiqh al-akbar or al-shari'ah when we say here we mean qadai al-i'tiqad. No, there's no differences. Ahl-sunnah are on one belief. These issues that we're going to be speaking about in aqeedah no one is allowed to go against it. This is the only thing you can believe. Are we all together? Aqeedah does not accept what? It doesn't accept difference of opinion. Are we all together? All of the companions were upon one Aqeedah. The Tabi'in were upon one Aqeedah. The Tabi'in tabi that were upon Ahlul, they were upon one Aqeedah. Are we all together? If an issue doesn't have a consent, then it's not binding to take that particular understanding. So if the Sahabas differ on a view in two views, are we all together? Two views of the companions. Does that make sense? They have two views in this issue. 
whichever of those two views becomes clear to you after research and you follow it, inshallah ta'ala wa fihi ajr. You have a reward for it. But if all of the companions, they all understood it in one understanding, you're not allowed to introduce a second understanding. Does that make sense? If the Sahabas all understood it in one way, that's it. No one is allowed to come after that and say, Wallahi, I looked at the ayah, and I thought about it, and I observed, and I looked at the context, and this is the meaning I'm bringing forward. No, no. Ijma' closes that door. To initiate, if the Sahabas differed amongst themselves two views, you're not allowed to create a third view. If they have three views, you're not allowed to create a fourth view. You have to take the three views that were there. Why? Because they all agreed on only three views. What did they all agree on? To only have these three views. Or these two views. Does that make sense? What about if the companions agreed on an issue two views? So there's two views amongst the companions. And then the tabi'een came were the students, the companions, and they all unanimously agreed upon one view. Pay attention. The Sahabas are uh, in two views. How many views are in the companions? Two views. Then the students of the companions, they came, and from those two views, they all agreed that they're going to take this view, and they dismissed the other view. They only took this view. Are we forced to follow the consent that came after the companions, or do we have the right to still choose the dismissed view? Is my question clear? We will study that in Usul Fiqh, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah? They say a good teacher is the one that educates you. A great teacher is the one who keeps you thinking. Yeah? So inshallah ta'ala, I hope to be a great teacher. Fadal, any other question? Fadal. Can you raise your voice? Uh, mm-hmm. So we're here, when we talk about the 73 sects and 72 sects, we're giving a general ruling. As for a specific rulings on individuals, Zayd and Bakr and Amr and Khalid, oh, this is another issue. It's another discussion. We're giving general rulings, general principles. As for taking those principles and applying on individuals, that's another discussion for another time. Does that make sense? Pay attention to that, right? Say that again. You have to understand the Kitab and the Sunnah based on the design of the spells. So again, the brother is asking a very good question. If the companions differed amongst themselves in three, four, five views, and it came about how should we, are you trying to say, how should we deal with it in this situation? First of all, we have to understand that the Sahabas never differed in issues of i'tiqad, aqidah. Please take that, note that down, understand that. Difference of opinions in this, shop, this series that we're in, aqidah la. They all agreed. Okay? 
But the thing that they differed greatly in was fiqh-related issues. For instance, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to believe if a woman touches you, she makes a wudu. Are we all together? This is the view of Abdullah Mas'ud. If a woman touches you, whether it be your wife, it doesn't matter. What does she do? She what? She breaks her wudu. She touches you, your wudu broke. Abdullah ibn Abbas, what did he believe? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's call. Abdullah ibn Abbas, what did he believe? No, she doesn't. Where, where, what are they trying to use? They're trying to use the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says, Oh la mastumun nisa. The word Allah used here is what? Oh la mastumun nisa. The word oh la mastumun nisa comes from the root word of word lams. Where did it come from? Lams. Lams in the Quran is being used in two different meanings. One time it's being used as touching. So Ibn Mas'ud's taking that view. And it's also being used in the Quran as sexual intercourse. When Maryam said, وَلَمْ يَمْسَثْنِي بَشَرٌ وَلَمْ أَقُبَغِيَّةٌ She said, وَلَمْ يَمْسَثْنِي بَشَرٌ She meant no man had had intercourse with me. So the word lamps is being used. لَا يَمَسُّهُ إِلَّا الْمُطَهَرُونَ Nobody touches the Qur'an. Touches the Qur'an. إِلَّا الْمُطَهَرُونَ أَمَا No one touches the light of المحفوظ except. So the word lamps is being used both times. Each companion took one of the meanings. Are we all together, brothers? So one of the reasons why they would differ in issues is based on a word which is called ذات مشترك أما كلمة which is مشترك A word that has more than one meaning. So each party is taking one of the meanings and so based on that the hukum will change. The ruling will change, correct? Like in not aqidah. Aqidah they were all what? Naam. Al-Imam Shafi'i believed the call of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Sahih. So he was the Shafi'i Madhab. They believe that if a woman touches you, she breaks her. She breaks her wudu based on that opinion. Ilhan? Okay, today that's our lesson on the wahi, inshallah, revelation. Can we move on to the next subject, inshallah ta'ala?